This episode is supported by Bonbon, a charming neighborhood bistro in Lawrence, Kansas, serving eclectic cuisine with Midwest roots. This week on a special bonus episode of Meat in 3, we find out why the bacon, egg, and cheese, that classic bodega sandwich, is popping up on menus of New York's trendiest restaurants. We did a few iterations of it, and I was trying to fancify it. We tried the sausage, egg, and cheese, and then we tried to put charmoula sauce on it. We used feta cheese, and we're just like taking ingredients of the Mediterranean, if you will, and try to infuse it. But uh, for me, it was like a car wreck. Tune in to hear about the wild journey of the bacon, egg, and cheese, from deli to fine dining, on Meat and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks, Matt, for, I think, extending our opening just a bit as we were laughing here in the studio. Uh, Today is Thursday, October 24th. This is the Main Course OG. I'm Emily Pearson, and I'm here in the studio with some of my favorite people. I've got all my co-hosts in the room. Patrick Martins. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Full house today. Very full house. I'm really excited. We also have Mike Edison. Hey. Hey, hey. And Brandon Hoy. We're, we're, Mike and I are trying to figure out how to get this uh, wacky sound machine to work. Oh, yeah, we really we're all looking start. forward to when that happens. Yeah, it's exciting. It adds excitement. And? All right. We, are, uh, we also have some really special guests who we will do proper intros for later, but we've got Daniel Sharp and James Wetlore. Hello. Um, this See week. See how exciting that is? We're going to jump right into our word association. Well, no, actually, okay, fine. I just wanted to say congratulations. Mike just published a book, Sympathy for the Drummer. Brandon got an official copy. Not sure what happened for the rest of us. Well, I'm on the list. I don't know if you guys are on Mike Edison's list, and it's a very difficult list to get onto. The quick way to get on the list is to offer to throw me a pizza party in celebration of my book. That is definitely fast-tracking it. So we will be having the totally unauthorized Charlie Watts pizza party here at Roberta's on November 7th, Thursday. And and we're and in the book, it's, it tells you how much Charlie loves pizza, right? That's There's a whole chapter of That's basically of, the gist of the whole thing. <laughs> All right, and in other events, Tonight, uh, Team Heritage and James and Mike and a bunch of friends are hanging at Burano here in Williamsburg at 26 Broadway. We are doing a Gotober celebration. Cesare Casella is slicing some prosciutto. There's some happy hour specials. Anyone listening live, we hope you come and join us. And tomorrow, we are doing a free event at Saxelby Cheesemongers. Daniel has made some awesome goat meatballs that are currently uh, under some secret dry rub. I'm going to go pull it today. I have to pull all the meat off the bone. I know. Are you prepared with a hairnet, a beard guard? No, but I washed my hands this morning. Oh, fantastic. Finally. (laughs) But Anne is providing some some goat goat cheeses. Uh, Omegang Brewery is pouring beer. We're really excited. So it's free. Join us 5 to 8 p.m. Friday, October 25th. Chelsea Market. Correct. And uh, an international award is being given out to a slaughterhouse owner. And a national award is being given out to the international Goatober Person of the Year What is a national award? Versus a 
It's being given domestically by a domestic. You, you don't know about domestic awards? <laughs> well, I don't understand why the one for the it, slaughterhouse is international and why the one for James yeah. is national. It's I think just, Dave, uh, uh, James should give the humblest of awards to the person who is so over, often overlooked, the abattoir. Hmm. Speaking of awards, no one's going to congratulate me. Well, Opening in well, Chicago? Michelin? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Two stars, Blanca. Oh, my God. That's amazing. You maintained two. Maintained. Congratulations. I feel like maintaining might be harder than getting sometimes. Absolutely. Octo- October is a really, really, really big food uh, month, especially it, it sure in New York is. and around the world. That's so exciting. Did you go to the party? Do, have I ever gone to any party? Well, I don't know. It's this been many years. The Michelin Tire Man was at this party. I, I thought I you heard, might have gone. I heard. How amazing is that? How old like is the actor is actually a Michelin Tire? Are you sure it wasn't the Marshmallow like, like Man the, like from Garth? Yeah, you know, the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. Yeah. I love that. Uh, no, this one had some ribbing. He he caught, walks with the tire. I, I'm pretty sure he was there. First of all, when you say he has some ribbing, it's like I just imagine him as a giant condom. It's, it's <laughs> disgusting. Is there a snow version of him, like covered in chains? <laughs> yes, there is the snow tire. Absolutely. Okay, we love this new game, Word Association. We are going to jump in. Our co-host, Mike Edison. Remember, this is 10 words or less, fast-paced. I, I, I have not looked at the cheat sheet. Your word no is institutionalized. Patrick Martin. Patrick Martin. So you must be meaning mental institution. <laughs> institutionalized. My other co-host, be. Brandon Hoy, your word is Consolidation. I don't even know what that means. You're consolidating Roberta's right now. You're moving everything to this block from Pfizer. Uh, that was where we were so going. My with answer this. is Patrick Martins. <laughs> Fantastic. Daniel Sharp, executive chef of the Meatball Shop. Your word is franchising. Uh, really misunderstood word. Nobody knows what it means. <laughs> that he's like, I'm going to explain to you why you shouldn't have put that word for me in the meatball shop. <laughs> We're not a franchise. <laughs> I what are I you? Didn't, I didn't think so. Patrick chose that one. But what is it called when one restaurant opens many different places and, and there's a chef at each place? Multiple. That's just yeah, multiple. In multiple locations. <laughs> franchising <laughs> is... Now, where's my sound effect now? Franchising <laughs> is when there's <laughs> ownership. You know, there's, there's <laughs> people buy in. They they open a chain or a, a anyway. Moving on. Yeah. And the man in the room with the English accent, who's been touring the world this month, celebrating Gotober. James Wetlore of Cabrito Goat Meat in the UK. Your word is branding. I thought about cattle, where you brand. Oh. I realise now that I should probably. That's me. A Do you brand answer. goats? No, 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 no. no. They get a they, they get, get a tag. They get an ear tag in each ear. Hmm. So, by the way, guys, we launched Gotober here in the States. Aaron Fairbanks and Ann Saxelby came up with the idea, but we were chugging along at a slow snail's pace. Then this guy comes where there's a lot of goats being killed. Two million goats are being euthanized a year, male goats, in England. In Europe. In Europe, sorry. And he is fighting to keep those goats alive, to live their life. It is amazing how much more they have goat culture there. We have no goat culture. It's all because of the French. Mm. French eat a lot of goat cheese. They've exported that. Um, Mm. You're the goat, uh, what is it, Pied Piper, St. Peter. You're the one, like, saving male goats. It's amazing. Well, that's, that's kind of the idea. Leading them yeah. off the cliff. <laughs> Straight into Purdy's Well, they sword. die anyway, but they deserve the dignity of living a life. Euthanizing babies, that's totally unacceptable. You can't have a food system based on a 50% mortality rate. Yeah. That's, right, that's right, basically right, what right, it is. Right, right, right. We did a staff talk yesterday with Marta, and uh, I was brief, and I let James do most of the talking, and you should have just, everyone was, like, silent and shocked when he basically explained that 50% 
is just it's garbage. And it's a, that the thing about that is that in, in any other farming system, that farming system would be closed down at a fifty percent mortality rate. Yeah, they would go to jail. They would go to jail, but They'd we tolerate. Be... But we tolerate it because there is a demand for the for the goat dairy products. Right, but goats are, are eaten all over the world. I mean, Americans don't really have a taste for it for whatever reason. Western but, a Western diet doesn't West, have any Western no Europe, culture right. history. But but at, across on a global basis, yeah, 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 is like yeah. the most popular. Yeah, well, the, that Western diet, like Australia, Europe, the. The western part of the US, there is no cultural history, and that's all to do with the wool trade a thousand years ago in the UK. But that's probably a bit too dorky for your listeners. God, uh, you can be such a nerd when it comes to goats. Totally, absolutely. <laughs> Although well, that's that's a product, and as you know, I'm sure having just written a book, you can really go down some rabbit holes late at night when you're researching <laughs> books, yeah. researching goats. Yeah, well, I, that's what I was doing, reading PhDs from guys in Bilbao who have traced like trade routes via goat DNA. You're like, I really need to go to bed. I, I think goats were the smartest livestock by far, and they figured out a way to not get eaten. Although you say it's widely popular, it's not the most consumed meat. It's just the most consumed meat over the biggest amount of territory. They were the first domesticated farm animal. So dogs were the first domesticated animal, but the first farm animal was goats. What were goats when they were wild? Just those wild goats we see on the cliffs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they, and that's one of their problems in terms of getting, turning them into meat animals in a Western context is they've never had any of that selective breeding that have turned the animals that we have now from wild animals into meat animals. Hmm. So they have all those disadvantages. Well, that's a good word association. You've always told me they have weak feet. Does they that do. have something to do with being domesticated? Yeah, because they're, they're, they've evolved. They can't from, run away. But I've seen them on trampolines and pajamas and stuff. <laughs> and yoga classes. You have a little gif on your phone, don't you? They just jump. All right, so uh, I'm going to segue to another, you know, sort of sort of British topic here. Hot so, topic? Yeah. Keep, oh you want to do, 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 do the whole show in a British accent? Yeah, can us? you do the whole question in a British accent? <laughs> this is great. When Meghan Markle. No, this sorry, is great. So it's like hanging out with John Cleese. <laughs> Breaking news, Patrick is English. <laughs> Breaking news, Patrick show. speaks English. <laughs> so when Meghan Markle's life is at its worst, as it seems it has been, and her face is plastered across all the British tabloids, what food would you make her to brighten her day? Perhaps the greatest comfort food of all time. White what? Castle, obviously. <laughs> Great. So that'll Chef, be popular. Daniel Sharp? I, th- I think, um, you know... The fact that she's in England, she has access to one of the greatest comfort dishes of all time, which is a shepherd's pie. Oh, shepherd's that pie. is like oh. a warm down comforter of a, a comfort food. <laughs> I just want to crawl no. underneath it, it, the it, layer of mashed potatoes. I could be on the North Pole. I pull that blanket over me and I'll be oh, fine. I know. It is like the heroin of foods. <laughs> she, look, she, she also looks like she could crush like a whole casserole dish of lasagna. Guys, she I can see it. I can just see it in her eyes. She's like Garfield. She's just like sitting, like laying on the floor waiting for lasagna. Eating by the light of the fridge like four in the morning crying tears of joy she's so shoveling it. Yeah, there's yeah. tears with her. What's she very upset? She's in the news. That's why we bring her up. Patrick would like you all to know she's upset because no one took the time to ask her how she's doing. No, no, she came out on the news. They got interviewed. They she's getting buddy hatcheted by the uh, they English did a media. P- they, they followed her. I, I believe her they're moving to America. Is this the is this the news? This oh is, no! I mean, this is, is like, new- I don't know. This oh, is like more wait, like TMZ wait. gossip that it, I'm hearing. But and they're going to pretend to be commoners and then make friends and then later reveal that they're royalty, kind of like 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 uh, the movie coming to America. The oh, great movie! Great movie. <laughs> I, I, I hope like Meghan Markle. I hope they move to Queens yeah, and, and open up like a, like like a uh, Mac. <laughs> do, do, do not. I don't think <laughs> yeah. Prince Harry is going to be mopping floors in McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> no, she doesn't really seem like she's cut quite from that cloth, does she? 
I mean, she's like L.A. celeb. She came from being a movie star to now being a royal. But anyway, they did this piece, and they followed them to to Africa, and they did a a full documentary. And the journalist said, has anyone actually asked how you're doing through all of this? And she got all teary, and she said, you're the first person to ask. Thank you so much. People are like, hi, how are you? That's the most normal way of saying anyway, hello. Anyway, Patrick and I were talking. Hi, how are you? Patrick and I were talking <laughs> yesterday. The British tabloids are much more, uh, I think, scarring for people. Aggressive. Yeah, because our tabloids. I don't think anybody reads them except people waiting at the supermarket checkout line. Like uh, that is- uh, I would yeah. beg to differ. Listen, First of all, I listen to a lot of New York sports radio and like everyone who calls in believe like they just read the tabloids. Yeah, yes, my, my little left wing elitist. Whole, Let me yeah, tell you something. Whole, Most of America is standing in line at, the, at, at those very places to which you refer. So you may not be reading it, but this is a very big country. It what do you mean? When I okay, travel with Patrick, goes, he buys every single magazine. Brooklyn bubble. People, Jennifer Aniston gets fan mail. Congratulations on your triplets. You know, I hope they can disconnect them one day. <laughs> exactly. All right. So what, James? What are you going to feed her? Do you have a, what's the? Uh, there's there's so much comfort food. Like it's really hard to choose one because there is so much. I mean, I would probably something pastory with like with probably with some like like guanciale in it. Maybe like a. Yeah, like yeah. Or and then I also thought about pizza and I also thought about a tub of Ben and Jerry's chocolate brownie ice cream. So. <laughs> All right, as you guys up. said, she looks like she could eat a lot, right? That's what Brandon is gonna stick with that answer. She looks like she could make love to a bottle of tequila. That's what she really needs. Do most women love that tequila? <laughs> <laughs> I think you just gotta look really deep into their eyes and you'll find it in almost anyone, not just women. You're just really deep into their eyes. I see it in you too. <laughs> that is a terrifying look you're giving me there. <laughs> All right. Patrick told me I'm allowed to tell everyone he used Uber Eats for fast food this week for the first time. I don't even think you know how to call an Uber, but you learned how to call Uber Eats. I will only buy uh, take do takeout from restaurants where I can call the the person there, like Chinese restaurants, pizza places, or really cool restaurants. Hey, what's up? What you got? Uh, so you guys know or, how annoying Patrick is. Or he, he, he always asks for the owner too. So when he calls, he's like, <laughs> "Lynn, no, 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 no. May I talk to Mrs. I need I need to talk. I'm to her, her friend. Yeah. <laughs> so what like, did you? He's got to get straight to the owner. He'll wait another hour." Before that, he could yes. speak to the owner. I'm like, I'll keep the kids up. <laughs> Tell her to call me. So, what did you order? Up. Was it McDonald's? Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. The kids no, no, love it. basically, or was it McDonald's? <laughs> it was. I spent forty dollars on McDonald's okay. somehow, and <laughs> and your carbon footprint just exploded. <laughs> but I actually think this is my thing about McDonald's. I think, and I will not name it by name, but the delis around here and a lot of <laughs> shitty restaurants are not serving anything better than McDonald's. They're not. That's true. It, it, it's a compliment. It's mean, an that's insult. True. The deli the, the that you're quality. eating the roast beef. Well, I don't eat. I don't. First of all, I don't. I don't eat that. Is either. Boar's Head but much better? Dude, than I, I, a burger I, I'm at really McDonald's? proud to say no. I have never been in a McDonald's in New York City. Okay, I, can't, I mean the only times I've ever been in a McDonald's in the last I thirty years is like school. on the Indiana Turnpike when there was no other choice at three in the morning or something like this. I mean, there's so many reasons not to go to McDonald's, and number one is the food sucks. It's kids poison. like Happy Meals. Yeah. 
kids like LSD. I don't give it to them either. You know, are you <laughs> buying your kids affection with for, like for, toys? Also, also, Mike Edison, like, like if the toy was like aged correctly, he would probably go to my. He would probably go to McDonald's if it was like okay. if you got like fourteen guitar picks with your Happy Meal. Mike Edison might like think about. There was this. a time in my life when I actually did send someone into a Burger King because I really wanted the Power Rangers watch, but I go, but I, but I, but I couldn't bring myself to go into those places. I, I mean, just at, for, at so many levels, I find McDonald's and, and Burger King offensive. I mean, they're deforesting the planet. The food is terrible. Is they're they're poisoning America. There, it's a bad place, and I'm not going to. I don't like the argument that it's. Um, Democratic because it's cheap and everybody can afford it. It's bad food. It makes me feel sick. I'm actually saying most food is bad. Most food is bad. Well, we talked about this last week. What is the percentage, Brandon? You and your what percentage of food? What was the question that you eat? Do you think is excellent, or or, yeah. or, or is the food that you really want? How, are you, how did you phrase it exactly? I, I like it that it's excellent. You I guys answered the it question. like no, no. I mean, there's no way. You know, I didn't have only one way to answer it, but there was the we two ways. We said what percentage of food that you eat is truly excellent. And we all agree it was over 80%, but we'll also include it in that, like... Things you, know, you wanted. Things that you wanted. You wanted a Big Mac, and it's, bagel sa- and and it's satisfied. Well, that could be good food if you're getting a good bagel. I was asking, cheese. like, of all the bagels, so you're eating a bagel, is it great? Is it one of the Versus best? Versus I said, it would only, I only choose... I to think eat about but this what sucks getting a bad bagel. And by the way, you live the in time, New York 40%. fucking city again. This is the covenant of living in New York City. It's expensive to live here, I, I, and I, part of the deal is you don't have to eat bad bagels. That's what you're paying for. And I think, okay? and, I, and I think one one part of the like collective wisdom of living here for a long time <laughs> is that you start to like you can be at eighty percent. Like yeah. once you've lived in New York long enough, you yes. shouldn't be lower than eighty percent. That's a failure on your yeah, on your you ability can, can to go out and, and rate something. Because why would I go to a McDonald's when I can get like an amazing falafel right I, around the corner? I would you know, say if I want something that's three dollars and fast at two in the morning. There are so many they options. Don't deliver. I don't know the falafel place in my neighborhood that yeah, delivers. But, but, well, ask the Uber guy. I'm mostly disappointed. <laughs> I'm mostly disappointed when I'm being adventurous, right? When I'm like want to try some new things. That's usually when right. I'm disappointed in my a- everyday life. I know what I like. Right. Like I go get the things that I like. That's one of the benefits of living in an urban uh, environment. Right. That's I, I agree. I battle that with myself all the time like choose something new or go with an old steady and then you know i usually make the new choice because you know that's the thing and then i'm disappointed and angry at myself that i just didn't go with something i know i like but you know the rewards are high too to be surprised but you know it does suck to go to like a restaurant that's new or hyped or whatever someone said hey this is really great and then you know and then the gnocchi comes out it's slimy and you're like what the fuck you know that that's just wrong that's that's the 12 percent that should be avoided can you can you eat excellent 80 percent if you're cooking at home have you got access to good enough fresh produce to be able to cook really well with that yeah no i yeah I mean, at you, home. You guys know Patrick doesn't cook at home, right? No, but do you it know what it like is? any of you do? I mean, it sounds oh, like New York food culture uh, is built about is built around you, going so out. So if Anne makes you're, a you're pasta, I actually do. I, I I probably I probably eat the majority of my meals at home. No, I'm so probably do we. The, a majority, the, of course. I mean, we go out a lot, but it's still a majority at home. But Anne, I said that eighty percent or what's great is. She makes a thousand pastas in her life. Is this one one of the best ones, or did we make something new and it wasn't as good, or we didn't try as hard, or Patrick, we didn't duplicate how good it was last time for some reason, or she put walnuts over it? We don't know why. Patrick <laughs> invited taste. me over for dinner uh, last week, and I showed up, and there was just a raw piece of salmon. <laughs> it was excellent like, it had, quality. It was, it was great quality. Uh, I had the pin bones in there, so I was like, you know. He's like, give me your wife's tweezers that she takes the hair out of her legs on or your nose (laughs) tweezer. And I was like, all right, I'll be right back. (laughs) 
It's I still there. All right, but I, we fuck up dinner once in a while, but it's pretty rare. It's pretty rare if we're trying something new and it doesn't come out right or somehow screw it up. But, I mean, you've been cooking your whole life. I mean, how are you going to ruin a plate of pasta if you're starting with good? I mean, the only way to do it is to overcook it, really. It's the only way you're going to ruin something. Well, sauce is going to not be great. Well, if you were really This is coming from a man who doesn't have children. See, right. things get ruined in my house because, like, I'm like, oh, shit. I've been, like, chasing these little assholes around. <laughs> and then I'm like, holy shit, I forgot I had something in the oven. And then I'm like, motherfucker, there it goes. <laughs> just like that, just in an instant. I and then, my and then this is where you then are like, now what do I have in this house to eat? Yeah, frozen pizza, and, Roberta's pizza. Right. right. Ann says it's the most valuable thing in the fridge or freezer is a oh. Roberta's pizza. Oh, money, I call, I call that money in the bank. Parents, I, I always keep pizza in the freezer. need that. You need something to go to yeah. that is going to be, I can't be bothered to fight about food today, so I'm just mm-hmm. going to feed you this and you'll eat it. And well, pasta, that's the pasta yeah. is mine. Sometimes yeah, I even I need a full cabinet full of pasta because pasta is the best. Wait, for me, pasta is the go James and I were hanging out last night. You told me it was frozen fish sticks. <laughs> You, you said that's your equivalent of they calling delivery. They live on delivery. an island. Well, England's no. an island. I wish. They live in My kids Devon. ate fish sticks for like three weeks, and I was, it was, I was so happy. I was like, this is a pathway to a, to a like, even oh, if sorry. it is, na- like, yeah. this is a pathway, and it just ended. To mercury abruptly. poisoning. This particular, you know, fish sticks is making me uh, want to segue to this one. Did you ever learn anything gastronomically from your school lunch lady? Yes, how to be a leader. <laughs> how a leader to lead of what? a troop of people the only- in the kitchen and to feed 400 kids. I mean, she taught my stomach a bunch of gastronomical, (laughs) I don't know. Um, There was this thing called a cheese zombie that was pretty amazing. Do you guys remember the cheese? It was like a piece of bread that had like somehow injected, had a tube of yellow cheese inside of it. I think Roberta should reinvent the cheese zombie. I think we need to go into the laboratory and work on this. Yeah, cheese zombie. I remember Friday was pizza day in my elementary school and the pizza would bounce. It was so rubbery, like literally like bounce on the table and the kids would like wing it against the table. To see how high it would actually bounce. Oh, we had like, like six inches, I think, was the, was the, was the record. But we had like <laughs> French bread pizza. That was good. We did too. French French bread pizza. See, our, our lunch lady uh, Thelma was so great that she made on her last day of working there chicken a la king, and we erased the king and put queen. Chicken a la queen. First of all, this is such bullshit. There's zero <laughs> chance that your lunch lady's name was Thelma. It was. You just literally made... This is so impossible. Well, you were you born in the fucking 1910? 72. Come on. I swear to God, we don't. We uh, we dedicated our senior year yearbook to her, not predecessor, her, the person who followed her, successor. Louise? No. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that movie. <laughs> Uh, oh my god! Lunch lady, it's like one of those speeches Ronald Reagan used to give, and she's here right now. Stand up! <laughs> All right, tell me a story. Tell me a real life story of the most gluttonous day of your life. I was with you, Emily, in Vegas. You were so you had eaten so much food. I think you just fell asleep at the table in Las Vegas. Cesare just got up. We thought he went to the bathroom. He literally took an Uber home to go to sleep. He just left. He didn't say goodbye to anyone. There is something about Vegas that's just very gluttonous. And it's not, but it's not even the all you can eat buffet. It's just the abundance of, you know, this like high roller kind of uh, lifestyle that you want to lead, even if it's not your style. Well, you're just trying to get all your money's worth, right? I I remember your birthday party one year, Patrick, you had like nine pounds of carne cruda. (laughs) It just was a starter. (laughs) I feel like it was like going to Baskin Robbins, you know, like these giant buckets of ice cream, except it was filled with raw meat. 
That's not going to end well. <laughs> Every visit to Montreal is is that. Oh yeah, well, yeah. That's weird about Montreal. It's kind of like that city, right? Yeah, it's like French food for lumberjacks. So it's like rich <laughs> yeah. on rich. There we go. Yeah. That's great. Like poutine, chips and gravy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Foie gras, right? Yeah, uh, foie what? gras, everything. You order vegetables and they're like, oh, we put a little foie gras on it. <laughs> Keep it light. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the French are great at gluttony. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's probably my... I went to Pierre Garnier in Paris about 10 years ago with my partner and it's he's had three stars in, in Paris for 20 years. And you have... And it feels like the... The, the last few days before the French Revolution kicks in because you just have 18 courses, everything's got 15 elements, the whole table's filled with these little silver trays that have got bits on it, and it's just, it's it's so indulgent. And if yours is high fidelity, mine would be low fidelity. Carlo and I went to Chicago for like a few hours, and all we did was eat, and it was, dis- like, we start, we got off the plane and went to Fatso's, which is like, a, and had like hot dogs and Lucy Juicy, or Juicy Lucy's, and it was just perfect. Aggressively, like it was all it was. It was gluttonous in the way that it was like everything you knew that they <laughs> would probably give you a heart attack, like on the flight back. And we just it was hours of just power eating, like greasy spoon. Well, awesome. Those nights too, Patrick. You say, let's go out to dinner, and I don't realize it's going to involve four restaurants. <laughs> every no, t- no. <laughs> two restaurants, no, every, two to three pasta. Every time my three. husband Dennis joins us, he's like, "I thought I was invited for one dinner." He's like, "Why is it number three? Well, because we sell to a hundred restaurants, uh, hundred and twenty restaurants in New York and Brooklyn. And if you go, Patrick's one, mentality is if we're night. out, and if we started at five, we may as well go till nine and sit in three. <laughs> and then no, the no, best no, I agree. Wait, we, we can't visit all those restaurants i would like to visit those restaurants two three times a year each but you can't that would be me no, no, i agree i much. pick i pick a neighborhood and we say what can we do within these what three, is the most blocks? successful food neighborhood so, in the world so so tonight after barano where will you guys go i thought we'd go to marlo and daughters first they just put <laughs> yes. the edward suriano on their so we're uh, going to try their submarine sandwich right before I, I dinner. See, that, see that's where the glutton <laughs> gluttony starts i could it's just ask for a little you know quarter of a pound slice but you need to see how they're preparing it. You've yeah, had the other <laughs> before. You, you can really I justify can still anything. Support, take some pictures. Also, at try what point do you, you, at what point do you say no to a spot. submarine sandwich? Yeah. Like, I, I just feel like is there a, like a p- part of the night where you're just like that? You've checked that off. Like no more submarine sandwiches for me. It's like that goes until the until the fall like, asleep. Yeah, totally. Until my refrigerator light burns out. <laughs> I remember we went to. It's been a Gotober. Remember we went to judge the goat cook off in, in South Carolina. Yeah. And this is Chris. So we're visiting restaurants, and everybody, um, some are sales calls, and some are like people who are already buying heritage stuff uh, who are making char- charcuterie. But everywhere we go, you know, Patrick, we're so glad to see you. And we just really stop in for a drink to say hello. And next thing you know, the charcuterie board comes out, the cheese board comes out. Here are some sliders. And this is happening. It's like we're up to about like six rounds of this before we get to like dinner at some old slave quarters, which is, you know, <laughs> this magnificent thing that like, you know, like Thomas Jefferson would have served to his best friends. And when it's all over, Patrick wants to go to the drive thru at McDonald's. At that point, my stomach is open down there. It's just like a totally open shoot. Well, we were, I, was at a cheese, I was at a cheese festival in Bra back in September, and that's a pretty glamorous day. Ooh, isn't because, that beautiful? Well, cheese pretty, is their nicest pretty, event. Well, because you, you just like you're in the barata, medieval towns, and yeah. Then, yeah, and you just you spend every everyone's so generous. And with the, the bra, samples. the like slimy bra. Oh man, you could just do this forever. Well, the, the ones where you put the truffle, <laughs> put the truffle rock for in yeah, the, yeah, yeah, in yeah, the yeah. thing, and like cheese is the lovely. What event. is so, the 
slimy. We're gonna ask you. I don't even know the name of it, but there's one that's there that's just like it's just the gooeyest. The brie. It's not a brie though. I don't even know. They tried to tell me what it was called. Gorgonzola that just melts and they they shave truffles into it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're obviously both gonna die because you're eating unhealthily. So in your (laughs) our, our next question in your obituary after the first paragraph that says your name, how old you were, and cause of death. What will the second okay, paragraph That's a bad say? obituary writer, because I need a better lead. No, that. no. The, <laughs> you say that Mike Edison. Okay, uh, whatever your lead-in is, after that first lead-in paragraph. Which I'm still working on. What's the second one going to say? No, yeah, what's the, that's the second paragraph is the one where they, first, for the first time, explain who the hell you are and what you did. It's your greatest accomplishment. Uh, like, like, like he shot Kennedy? Yes. <laughs> I didn't. Mine's going to lead in with the cause of death and then go, and he didn't see that coming. Yeah, totally. I was going to say mine was going to be like, and his heart exploded like a, like a nuclear bomb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but what a party. <laughs> Emily, Emily had a very nice answer. You told me what you were going to say for this I one. I told you yesterday. Mine's going to say, she'll talk to anyone, especially strangers. But I didn't. In airport that. bars. That's yes. nice. That's and a nice quality. Certainly. And that's what got her abducted in that van. (laughs) That's why she died. (laughs) What about you, James? I mean, it'll be wrapped up with the goat. Did you ever think this growing up? No, no. I said to him, him, we talked about this yesterday, and I said, uh, uh, the the soppy sentimental side of me says father to Mika and Elwood. And then after that, Affectionately known as Goatman, probably. The Goatman. The, the, in the New York Times, the, where they lived and who they left behind is always at the end. And the, only the New York Times says the cause of death in the first paragraph. Like CNN, when you're looking at that, they don't say the cause of death. Which Trampled is kind to of death what, by goats. Or yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Payback. Yeah. Are you going to go Egyptian and like have a 200 goats with you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> goats are sarcoph- sarcophagus. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, no, I mean, it's interesting. Uh, March into the afterlife with uh, with a squad. Right. Most people don't think of legacy while they're living. They're just living their life to the max and having the most fun. But it is interesting. Besides you, yeah. you're <laughs> obviously that. live a life of legacy. Constantly. I'm going to remember that forever. Like, this is, you live your life based on the idea of legacy. I'm going to remember that forever. Do you own a funeral plot? Does anybody own a funeral plot here? No, I'm getting myself cremated. I'm not taking a bland. Uh, Emily's thinking of like, hmm, interesting. You I know? Don't, they're no, not. Do agree- you? I, no, but, I, but, most, I don't so know, but, I, but but Greenwood Cemetery is more affordable than you might think. She's got, like, the most expensive Travazzo, like, uh, like headpiece, like, or, like marble. A mausoleum. I'm thinking, mausoleum. I'm thinking obelisk. Gob. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of ancient Egyptian, yeah, fuck yeah. If so, you own a funeral plot, do you have to wait till you're dead to occupy it? Or, I mean, is, that, is this the new Brooklyn housing trend? <laughs> it's, like, it's like, turns out, very affordable sarcophagus. <laughs> Beautiful views. <laughs> you know. So my parents both have plots that because my father's parents have a plot and there's two more spaces. But yeah, nobody's doing that anymore. I, I, I That's the most unecological that, thing in the world but, is to take a piece of it, land forever. She's Jewish. Her, they got a deal. They were like, it was like a Groupon. My mom, you're the, they were standing like, up. This so that's four for the price of two, we'll take it. My mom, my mom too, she had, a, she had it bought a long time ago. It probably Funny you should discount. say that. My dad's not Jewish, so I bet they're, maybe they don't even allow Jews. Maybe my mom's not even allowed. <laughs> Shit. But no, I think my, it's, I think it's my, a thing definitely of a certain generation. Well, where you, you make buy it those be black tie plots. Too. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. at a time. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you have a plot? My, do I have one? No, but yeah. I'm, 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 I think Greenwood Cemetery is more for Cremate yourself. <laughs> Give me. You have to saddle people with like a samovar of your ashes that they have to carry around with them whenever they. James, move. what about in a England? Samovar. Do most families oh, have? Nice. Do no. most families have cemetery plots? No, I mean the, all the old churches have really old gravestones in the in the sort of. Can you still bury church. someone in a church in England? Yeah, I think so. I think in you Italy have, you, you can. Kind of you have to be important. Town. But most, most I love where Winston it. Churchill was buried, just in his backyard. I didn't know that. Very humble. Have you already requested that uh, Turner Towers leave a little plot for you? No, I'm going to give everybody a little piece of my ashes, so I'll kind of like be around. My father wanted he's to like, be. He's like, I'm just going to hide. I'm going to have my wife hide my body in the boiler room. <laughs> my father wanted to be buried at Bloomingdale so my mother would visit him. <laughs> Cryogenics. Uh, yeah, yeah. Get yeah, one of those buttons. I don't know what they did. Sad horn for that one. Sad horn. Patrick, maybe you were like, instead of yeah being buried, you could do a, like, a final Instagram post. What happens to Instagram a hundred years after someone dies? I don't know. You want to see my Facebook page? You can memorialize. My, my, my space page? You okay. can memorialize. <laughs> Even Facebook. better, you want to see my live journal? <laughs> <laughs> you can uh, memorialize Are Facebook we pages <laughs> once you, someone passes away. I don't know about Instagram. Well, by the way, Danny Meyer likened social media to a cross between the town square of times past and a postcard. What does Instagram in particular mean to each of you and your businesses? That's a question. <laughs> nobody wants, that's a question that obviously nobody wants to answer. Everyone it's was too like, serious. Yeah. They were like, oh, we were having fun. You love Instagram. No, Brandon, uh, you, you, uh, well, Roberta's has a huge following, right? Tens yeah. We, of I, I mean, we use Instagram. And so, I mean, hey, the, the, it's, it's just a promotional tool these days. It's, it's just, it's just another way to, hey, when when I was young and a bartender and a DJ and had bands who used to make flyers and give them out, and guess what? Now I don't got to waste all that paper and sit around at Kinko's for fucking four hours. So what is it to me? It's Kinko's. But my question is, though, is your is your social media game better because of all the shit we learned when we had to mimeograph stuff and go around, like, pasting it or, you know, gluing it to walls and well, stuff? Well, you can answer that. There's no doubt that my Instagram <laughs> game is better because I had to do it manually for so many years gluing it to walls. Wow, that's basically See, with a what bucket it of paste. To. I mean, that's how we promoted games. We're playing CBGBs next Friday, and you'd make a flyer and you'd cut and paste le- it. And there were, you know, yeah. there were scissors and scotch tape or rubber cement involved. I, I, I and you went you down not. to the copy shop. I shit you not. Them had a bucket of tape. I'm like, the, what paste? The, the Kinkos at Astor Place. I would sit there for hours. <laughs> yeah. I would sit in the fucking Kinkos, cutting shit up, yep. putting it, taping it together, <laughs> photocopying, photocopying, photocopying. Yep. When and I got run around, hand it out, stick it to shit, yep. and like, That's how you, you know. Gig. Absolutely. These kids was, today, they'll never know the struggle. <laughs> they'll never <laughs> is know. That, is that per pound more, inf- more effective because there was less of it? Now, Instagram is there's an avalanche of information. Was what you did, go and stick in those bills to those walls, better in terms of hit rate? I'll tell you, it's exactly the same. I click through on my flyers. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, it's almost exactly the same. The more productive you are, like, see, Mike and I went out and did this. Not every band was good at this part of it either. So it's kind of almost the same. It's like there's a little bit of Darwinism in it where you're just like, if you're good at doing this, people will come see your band. And you're sat here with no Grammys. You're sat here with no Grammys. So I guess it's not that. No, no, it's true. I do sit here with no Grammys. There should be Grammy Awards for flyers. Yeah, and if there was, 
Mike and I would be definitely. Lifetime Achievement Award for Mimeograph Flyers. Well, the only. I, fresh it, bucket of paste. Yeah. I think it goes to this like mom and pop local idea. The flyer was only going to get you so much. You but were only going to be. I'm promoting a local no- gig, but it's working for me on Facebook. It is working. I'm promoting local ads. I'm targeting my ads. Uh, Hyper local. We had a great event this week. The place was packed out. Hopefully, we're, I'm going to be at uh, Quimby's in uh, Williamsburg Sunday night. And the ad is only targeted to 180 people because, of the, yeah. because yeah. that's it, because they're the only people who live, you know, close enough that we're actually going to come to this event versus an event in Manhattan next week where I'm targeting a different 300 people. Because Facebook knows everything about you. Hey, Brandon, this is a fascinating thing about local. I just read in the Times. They said between the NFL, the uh, NBA, and baseball, baseball kicks all their asses so much in terms of viewership and TV and ticket sales because of how many games they are and how strong locally. Baseball games are always the highest rated thing locally within a region. It's just you can't name any players for the Seattle Mariners, but that doesn't matter because in Seattle and around Seattle, they're making they're it's a volume play, ass. Patrick. You know this. This is a, yeah, it's no. a volume play. How many baseball games do they play? But yet? it's very local. It's where local it's kicks ass. The, the, it's and, cool. and it's a, and it's a very and there, there's more baseball. baseball teams. There's more baseball teams than there are either one of those other sports. I'm sorry. And the about thing Kershaw, is, yeah. they're, they're really no. Like I'm a sorry. Like a dagger to the like you're you I you like brought them. you 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 see this question came up so them. you could no, like my Yankees slice. Lost. Yeah. I was about to say, right. shouldn't we say I'm right. sorry about the Yankees? World yeah. Series is on yeah. with he, no Yankees he there. Low, he took a low blow, but that's all right. You know? Are there more mom and pop since Emily brought that up? More mom and pop businesses in England than there are in the U.S. Is everything mom and pop there? I don't know. I don't know. There is. I wouldn't say so. I mean, it feels it feels like that sort of mum and pop Midwest business tradition is much stronger than it is in the UK. Like the main, I mean, London is an island. Everything inside the M25 is now considered. But no, in the rest of England, that, is it is it franchises? Yeah, what's the Walgreens of uh, what's the Walgreens of uh, Walmart? Walgreens. Yeah. Walmart have bought ASDA, which is one of our supermarkets. So you have Tesco. I mean, they dominate. Large supermarkets dominate the food system in the U, in the UK as much as they do in the US. I see. I think the way that that is changing is that kind of as a reaction to that, people that have worked in food their whole lives, chefs like me, I mean, I'm a good example of it, become a producer, found a specialist product. And that, I think, is going to have a pretty profound influence on the food system in the UK over the next 20 years. That, yeah, that, the that's pub, the same the thing here. That's, a, that's, I mean, pretty much what's happening here as well. I think, I think pretty everywhere that's like the one way that you can influence the, the, like, the, your, the more national as Patrick would put it, food system. Yeah, I mean, I think that my theory is that that if we look over the large span of food production, like over the next 100, 200 years, the period between the end of the Second World War and now will be seen as the anomaly. And I think that the pushback against that large sort of industrial food complex is starting to happen. I hope you're right. Yeah, well, that's what slow food's for. I mean, we we talk about that a lot, and there are other... I think that's one of the things that chefs can do in a in a food system is support small producers who are doing things the right way, and that will eventually allow them to grow and expand, which is what's happened to you and what's happened to us. So what's up with cheese? You were at the largest international event for cheese. Yeah. Is it a, a how would you rate the event? Describe it was it cheesy. Oh, really? it's, I mean, it's <laughs> it's difficult to describe. I guess I mean it's the scale of it is probably like the equivalent of shutting down Bushwick and lining every street with a cheese producer from all over the world. So there was lots of guys from Vermont there who went and said hello to. There's all the British cheeses represented. There's an entire tent of 
Italian cheese and entire tent of French cheese. And then up at the top of the town, they have the beer and the wine tasting and some food vendors. And you so told me no you... tent full of American cheese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, right. Right. No, they have like circus-sized tents. But, yeah, but what they stuff. what they had was like they'd obviously got like a, a cooperative of, of, of cheese makers. Government together. cheese. I think there was like ten, maybe fifteen different cheese producers, but they're all from New England. And then you told me uh, you were the fr- you were the only meat. We, right? The, dinner, the, first that we, the dinner that we did was the first time that anyone at the cheese festival had acknowledged the fact that the Billy Goats are a consequence of the cheese production. Yeah, that, that's awesome. I mean, we helped connect that. I feel so yeah, honored yeah, yeah, to be the thing. Yeah, I yeah. mean, Carlo Petrini, he cares, man. If there's a good cause, he will give it its moment. So it was at. It, I love it. It was at the. It was at the university in one of their sort of grand halls, and we worked with uh, a cheese. A shop called the Fromagerie, which has a little cafe, which is based in Maribone in London, and we teamed up with them. So they did half the menu, we did half the menu, and I. James James brought a goat on the train. I'd he carry, traveled by train carried, so that I he carried could, a goat on the train from, so he could bring from meat. Devon to Turin. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, before we go to the interview part, most interesting neighborhood in the world, a single neighborhood, and it's not, you can't say like the Eastern Seaboard or the American West. Well, single neighborhood. That's a really tough question. I, think. I know that's why we asked it. But and what I was in Melbourne last in February, March, and right in the middle of the central business district is Chinatown, and you're just walking through what looks like downtown Melbourne. You turn right, and suddenly you're in such like Sichuan food heaven, and that was what I. I do gotta say, I do love Chinatown. The various American cities. I love Chinatown in San Francisco. I try to eat uh, as often as I can in Chinatown in, in Manhattan. Uh, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. But everything's shifting so much, but at least there, I don't know. There, there's a, there's an, obviously an exotic nature to it. But like I mean, I, I look at Bushwick. I mean, this was a town that was like burned to the ground 30 years ago, and it's like you know thriving. Yeah, there's like 300 now. restaurants. You know, every time I come, the the, the graffiti outside Roberta's is different. Um, it was a pretty interesting neighborhood. I mean, but it's, everything shifts. I mean, Greenwich Village used to be a very interesting neighborhood. Now, not so much. Well, we sell to about a, a <clears throat> half of our business in New York happens between Houston and 14th. Tenth and third. Uh, it's yeah, I was, I was this also this also depends stretch. on your your take on interesting. Right. Are you talking about like sophistication? Are you talking no. like Harajuku is a very interesting neighborhood? I don't know if I'm if it's my cup of tea, but nobody's gonna say that it's not an interesting. No, neighborhood. you could say uh, Little Egypt in Queens. Right. I mean, there was a I saw an article, the headline this morning that all the new developments in Flushing are ruining all the street food vendors. But that used to be something that people would just go just to eat from street carts. Hmm. So I don't know. Or we could say Chelsea Market or the Boqueria in, in Barcelona. Yeah, but those, those are neighborhoods. Those are destination spots. The no, excuse me. About a but she's saying the destination said, is so good that you would say the neighborhood. I mean, they're great. So you're saying the meatpacking district is your choice? That would be a great no. one. <laughs> that no, would be a very no. good one to say. It has... No, I don't like all like the big clubby steakhouse. Well, year, uh, years ago it was a little, a little, a little. You don't different. like cocaine. Do you remember, remember when like Rio yeah. Mar was? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I love it. When, 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 when <laughs> cocaine? Did you say cocaine and fish? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the meatpacking district. Yeah, but do you remember when Rio Mar was right at the corner of like Guns of Ward and Little West Wall Street? And what? that was like Pasties the came back. That was like the date place. That was like where you used to go like like, like, like you take a girl out to dinner. It was like thirty dollars for like you know two for muscles. Thirty dollars. Okay, I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm going to embarrass Lee, who was president back in those days. The tunnel. Okay. But, the but, tunnel. but that yes. was a place, and there was nothing else around. There was no pastis. Stella McCartney had yet to have been invented. You know, I mean, it was. There was you know. Florent. Florent was that steakhouse. Four in the morning, you get a right. steak. Patrick, he you, closed. yours is Upper East, right? 
I would easily York first. Oh, so good. German a, town. York is like a food desert. Well, no, they have Schaller and Weber. That was an old German thing. If you like schnitzel, you want to be on the Upper East Side by where the mayor lives. Oh, yeah. Gracie Mansion, that, that hotbed of activity. Who doesn't love <laughs> All right, Germany? Wait. By the way, Upper West Side was kind of, I think, older I money just said didn't Zabar's. attract good that, restaurants. That's a very, it's a very interesting neighborhood, the Upper West Side. Moscow on the Hudson, as it's known, because there were so many. How no, far west because, are you going? Because, no, I'm talking about, like, no, up, up, uptown and in the upper 80s, because it was a notoriously liberal, bordering gonna, a communist na- neighborhood. I'm going to say Zabar's final answer. Also, the Boat Basin Cafe officially Zabar's closed. Zabar's is not a neighborhood. Yes, it yeah. is. I'm what, allowed what to say What are these neighborhoods? I don't understand your neighborhoods. Chelsea Markets and, and Zabar's. These are Why? not neighborhoods. These are places in a neighborhood. Why can't I pick a single? Yeah. McDonald's, Flushing, and Flatbush. Uh, Chelsea is a neighborhood, and we like it because of and Chelsea Market. No, she's saying I'm picking that a micro no, a no. micro you're, neighborhood. You're, picking, you're, you're saying that store is so you're important. You're picking a, a retail you venue. <laughs> but what makes a neighborhood good would be multiple locations. I so think I spend too much one. time with Patrick. I went to the micro, micro, <laughs> micro neighborhood. <laughs> one no, store. But I think we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll, 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 we'll all agree, though, that the, the thing that links all of this is it's the immigrant food that makes it interesting. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Diversity, difference. Yeah, for sure. Yes, Daniel. I like how, immigrants. What, what else do you want to... You can throw wow, me, you can really throw me down under the bus. This show is getting so liberal. I like immigrants. Yeah. All right, we have to take a very quick break. Hear from our sponsors. Stick around. We'll be back with more of Goattober <laughs> and liberal immigrant food. This episode is supported by Bon Bon, a charming neighborhood bistro in Lawrence, Kansas, serving eclectic cuisine with Midwest roots. Bon Bon is a place for friends and neighbors to come together and enjoy good food, good drinks, and good company. The heart of Bon Bon is filled with love for the community of Lawrence, Kansas, for the staff and suppliers that put food on the table, for quality local ingredients, and for fun, creative dishes. Learn more at bonbonlawrence.com. Join Heritage Radio Network on Monday, November 11th, for a raucous feast to toast a decade of food radio. Our 10th anniversary Bacchanal is a rare gathering of your favorite chefs, mixologists, storytellers, thought leaders, and culinary masterminds. We'll salute the inductees of the newly minted HRN Hall of Fame, who embody our mission to further equity, sustainability, and deliciousness. Join us to explore the beautiful Palm House and Yellow Magnolia Cafe at the Brooklyn Botanic Garden, where you'll taste and imbibe to your heart's content, and bid on once-in-a-lifetime experiences and tasty gifts for any budget at our silent auction. Join the party. Tickets are available now at heritageradionetwork.org gala. All right, and we're back. This is the main course OG broadcasting live from the back of Roberta's here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Where have you been? East Williamsburg, also here in far west Zabar's. <laughs> I liked Zabar Heights. That was a, that was a classic. <laughs> that would be the housewares section. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah. I have to remind you all, we have Daniel Sharp of the Meatball Shop here with us and James Wetlore of Cabrito Goat Meat. Hello. Hi. 
But they both fit in so perfectly that uh, they should. I would we would love to have you both as uh, regular co-hosts. You can fly me over whenever you want. All I'm right. happy to come. <laughs> so you can. If call I me. could only afford the property here at Western Roberta's, <laughs> um, I've been really looking. Uh, here's the great school system you have here. <laughs> I think uh, Roberta's Gardens. There's, there's room for a meatball shop on the corner. You could be uh, Northwest. Northwest Roberta's corner. They, they have some yeah, real yeah. estate already, correct? Well, yeah, we have we have some neighborhoods. Meatball, <laughs> Meatballville, Meatball Town. All right, James, <laughs> yes. tell us about GoTober 2019. You have uh, we are sort of approaching the. End, I mean, you know, yeah, a couple it's minutes. been a, it's been a long month. I think I've been home twice this month, and the the first day I arrived in New York was the first day I hadn't had goat for dinner in like. 30 so I asked him what he had for dinner, and he said nothing. <laughs> <laughs> just nothing for dinner. Bastard. I went to JJ Johnson's Rice Bowl, had the vegan stuff there, and had nothing for dinner because I was just mm. like totally goaded out. Um, so it started, as we were talking about a minute ago, we, we started at the Cheese Festival, which is like pre Gotober. Um, and then we've had events all over the UK, and we've had events in London. We had the launch night in London. Uh, and then I've been in France and the Netherlands uh, and Ireland. Um, and the, the stuff in France is quite exciting because they. You know they have a lot of goats going in a going in the going a hole in the ground. So we're starting to work with Interbev, who are their large, overarching sort of union that are uh, that promote French farming. So we're working with working with them, try and kickstart Goatober in France. The so problem, what's your tagline? Is- what's your tagline? So someone's like, "What do you do?" And you're like, "Goatober." They're like, "What the hell is that?" And you're in France or you're in Trinidad. What do you say? Uh, it's a elevator. Month, pitch. It's a it's a month long celebration. It's a global month long celebration of goat meat with the goal of putting all of the dairy billies born into the food system, born into the dairy system all over the world into the food system. But the beauty of the, of the Goatober message is that people have been able to pick it up and turn it into the thing that they want it to be. So we've been working in Australia where they're looking to try and get a domestic goat meat market going. Um, the MLA, who are again like Interbev, large overarching union, are, trying, are going to use Goatober to try and generate some interesting goat in their domestic market because they export a lot, but they don't do very much in, in... Apparently in Australia, all they do is they freeze the whole goats and then they and they dice them up with the bones in it and Whoa. they ship it to, to like the Caribbean, That's to crazy. Trinidad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't oh, have well, a, yeah, they well, the, so the Austra- the Australians export more goat meat than anyone else. Um, so, so is really, your the, world me, in the nonprofit uh, mission, or is your business trying to find entrepreneurs who are going to launch goat that, businesses? Because it's grown so quickly, that stuff is we're still trying to define. But it feels to me like in the longer term, Goatob will be a not-for-profit. I mean, hopefully we'll be able to generate... We could try, we're, for next year, we're going to try and find a global sponsor, and then hopefully we'll be able to do, as you said, be able to distribute some money to goat projects in... the. The example that, that this that we can use is Trinidad. So I've just got, I've, last week I was in Trinidad doing Goatober TT, which is run by a woman called Franca Philip, who wants to use Goatober to encourage Trinidad farmers to rear goats in Trinidad and put them into the domestic market. Trinidad's an island of 1.4 million people. It's the ninth biggest consumer of goat meat in the world. I mean, that's an incredible statistic on its face, but they import 90% of it. Wow. If, so if we can if, if we can use Goatober <laughs> to encourage farmers to grow goats in the domestic market, even it's a hundred million dollar a year US market. That. So even if we can change it by ten percent, you'll be putting hundred you'll be putting ten million US into the Trinidad into Trinidad farmers' pockets. And that would make an extraordinary difference to their lives. I do think Gotober just implies that it's one time a year versus all year, because that's like a, an economy change over there if all the little yeah, farmers the th- and for me the reason sorry I had to wake Mike up. He was falling asleep. <laughs> well I'm I'm just thinking that if you buy a man a goat, you could feed him for a day. But if you teach a man to goat, 
<laughs> There's a tagline. The thing we're saying, what we say in Trinidad is, why are you paying an Australian farmer when you compare Trinidad one? And that feels to me, and the reason that I'm the reason that I'm so excited about the Trinidad thing is that feels like a very heritage thing to do. Support small local farmers to get better at growing their product and sell it into a different market. It's nice to have projects on the islands. <laughs> well, there is that, but you know. I told uh, I told him he looks a little tan. Well, it think- is ironic. It's so so English of you to colonize the islands <laughs> where like they already have a billion goats. They're eating goats. Everything's fine with goats. You know, and that, you're like, we got them. I. There is, there is definitely, and I, I'm very aware of this. Is very much a sensitivity. White guy turn up, tell black people what to do. I, and that is, that is a sensitivity that I'm very aware of. The thing about the project there is, it's run by a load of, it's run by the, the project's basically four women, and that is a great thing I think for, for, for that for the for the island to have those four women that are running this project. And when when we took a chef over, to because we we took James Cochran over to Trinidad this to do some dinners, I found a I found a young black chef with some with some jamaica uh, st Vin- vincent heritage because i didn't want to you know white guy flies in white guy to ireland full of black people to tell them how to do it i wanted right. i wanted it to have a certain <laughs> amount of have a certain amount of uh, that's very progressive of you. a little a little hangover from the patriarchal british empire totally, <laughs> totally. guilt man guilt <laughs> but it has to be that way i think i have a question what do you think the the best bet for getting americans to eat goat is like is it Put right. it in front of them, get them to eat it. And like a burger, delicious. but I mean, is it like, do you, you know? Well, I, d- I don't know. I mean, we thought about this a lot, obviously. Irony. <laughs> it's a good source of iron. I think, well, there is that, yeah, I mean, there is the health aspect of it. It's really lean, mm-hmm. it's high in protein, it's high in iron, it's quite good for you. But, yeah, we should just have that on constant. <laughs> yeah. Every time Patrick speaks. The best like- way to convince Americans about goat is irony. Oh I make I make seriously badass goat chili, and and, and it yeah, is okay. always people always say like holy cow this is holy cow whatever. Um, but people holy like God. wow this 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 is great you know I mean it's because you know the meat brings a lot of flavor. It's to a it. catch twenty two right? It's because it, you can't you can't cook a product that doesn't exist. But then it's really hard to get the farmers to raise enough animals uh, in order to get to that sort of critical mass where you could do a meatball and be happy with it all year round, knowing the supply was good, and we're just knowing. I feel it. like we just figured it out. If everyone just starts saying holy goat and. Instead of holy cow, we're just going to change the the perception, and, and there we go. Talking That's the ins- greatest thing on the station of all time. That's the greatest of all time. That has made uh, it. You were talking about Instagram earlier on. Yeah, goats becoming the greatest of all time thing has yeah, meant yeah. that there are memes and Instagram things that I can use okay. to promote. All the- so can I pretend I'm with a legitimate newspaper right here, and that this was like a hardcore media source? What is the most impressive result you've achieved? I guess I'm thinking legal. Like, what is your single greatest achievement, I guess, through government or change or a major company changing its ways? Or, I mean, two things. Yeah. One, and they're farm based. They're not, because the business has two. There's no the, problem. There's the one that's on the farm, and there's the stuff that it gets all the press, which is the putting on the posh restaurants. I go onto a farm. There's two farms, right? I go onto these two farms, and there are new kid sheds that have been put up because of Cabrito. <laughs> so we have, that is a real sort of bricks and mortar achievement. That kid shed exists because of Cabrito. Mm-hmm. There, and the, I think, but a, the biggest achievement of ours, I think is the second biggest goat farm in the UK is run by a guy called Will Frost. He's the first, uh, in, first commercial dairy herd of any size, over two and a half thousand milking nannies to not euthanize any billies. So of all the press and the book and all that stuff, the, that is a real concrete achievement that nobody knows about. Good for you. All, uh, yeah, it all started in this station in a way. 
and Aaron sitting here talking together. This was a real nexus of ideas. And we're just in the food example. What are those guys who had the leather outfit making place for the movie stars, biking and those leather guys, those fashion guys who were here in the early years? The Death Killers? Yeah, them. There were all these. Yeah, yeah. This is, this, I don't know where this is going. This is but. all these ideas germinated in a weird way. Out but of I think this one, of the th- one of the things that has made okay. Gotober work is the fact that it doesn't have any really strict boundaries on it. So people have picked it up and been able to stretch it into the thing that they want it to be. That's worked really well in Trinidad. It's going to work in Australia. Well, and I think that timing and Instagram and branding and social media and this ability to not just have posters locally, but to have people be able yeah. to tag things. You know, I'm not going all over France pasting goat posters all over France. Isn't that no, right? I think that who, it's... Who makes their pajamas is what I want to know. Whose pajamas? The, the goats. This is calling upon an earlier comment Mike made at the beginning of the <laughs> that, show. That's an internet meme. Goats in pajamas, goats in trampolines, goats on, goats on trees. Goats make good cashmere. And uh, James here's, here's, here's gives some... all of his goat, all the, the hides Wait, to some, uh, a tannery. Don't look back in Angora. Thanks. You, 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 <laughs> you ended the show button. in silence. I, I couldn't even get to the button fast enough. I was paralyzed by that comment. In silence. <laughs> All right, I hope you will all join us tonight at Burano, October 24th. Tomorrow at Saxelby Cheesemongers, October 25th. Daniel Sharp, who is here with us right now, is providing the goat meatballs. Maybe they're going to stay on the menu at the meatball shop all year round if I they're want successful goat meatballs. I'm enough. I, I, I really am. I think goat is delicious. And uh, we hope you'll all follow Goatober News. James is at Cabrito Goat Meat on Instagram and goatober.com. There will be happenings, you know. Year round, especially obviously during October. What? <laughs> I don't know. Are we sharing memes? Patrick, Patrick apparently passing notes in class. <laughs> Do something, Emily. Make it All stop. Right. I don't know. I'll uh, I'll work on it. Uh, stick around for a taste okay. for the past, and, and um, um, can't wait. Zaybar is coming to Trinidad soon. Exactly. And uh, a taste of the past makes it sound like it's always a rerun. You're right. And next week is Halloween. Is everyone going to dress up in the studio? Uh, all right. Let Are me tell you, you something. I have a mask. Next week is take it off. Thursday, October thirty first. <laughs> I'll tell you something. I, I, we're doing a Halloween show because uh, we should do sure. a Halloween show. We're doing a Halloween show, and our guests are the uh, owners are the from Misfits? the Dead Rabbit. Scary, bar. scary. I tell you what, though, I, do, I love I love Halloween. I love giving out the candy, um, but no costume, no candy. I got Whoa. real. Daniel, I got I got hardcore. Every time Sharp rules. is on, he. Pretty much, I would say, talks closest to the least and yet gets two of the biggest laughs. He always <laughs> hits it. It's you amazing. You give Halloween? That'd two home runs a game. You know, it's amazing. Have- he did it again this week. I didn't even announce it because I was like, ah, if it doesn't happen today, it'll make him feel uncomfortable. But he did it again. Sometimes, sometimes less is more. Yeah. Sometimes less is more. The real goat. <laughs> exactly. Daniel Sharp, the real goat. All right. Uh, thanks so much, guys. See you next week. The main course OG is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. 
Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.